people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Shri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello. Again, this is People Strategy Leaders Podcast, and this is the part two of the People Strategy Leaders Podcast with Laura Begg. As a reminder, Laura is a senior level human resources and talent executive and a ICS certified leadership coach who most recently is working to grow the human capital and HR infrastructure in a healthcare consulting technology company. Her main area of expertise is in talent management and development, and Laura loves to develop the growth of individuals teams and organization. If you saw part one of the series, Laura and I discussed the importance of creating a talent philosophy and engaging the right people across the organization to do so. We are coming back here today to discuss how to start that process and then move into the steps to creating a talent strategy. Welcome back, Laura. It's a pleasure to have you back. Thank you, Shree. It's great to be here with you again. Awesome. So we talked a lot about talent philosophy in the last um, discussion we had. Uh, to really drive all the talent practices, the procedures, and the culture of the organization. Um, can you remind us why that is important again? Yeah, sure. So if we just look at this in a few digestible bites, the importance of having a talent philosophy is significant in a number of ways, um, and your previous listeners will will remember this. But first, the business is going to find it so much easier to navigate forward with a strategic framework that outlines the organization's beliefs, their principles, their strategies, all of which relate to attracting their talent uh, within the organization and outside the, from outside the organization. So everyone is looking at the same roadmap, right? There's no inconsistency. Second, your strategy helps retain employees. Um, so a talent philosophy promotes employee satisfaction, engagement, retention, by creating a supportive and an inclusive workforce um, where policies are consistently applied, they're applied without bias, um, that you reduce ambiguity uh, and you increase fairness and enhance fairness across the organization. There's no misunderstanding about how things are done. Third, uh, it includes practices that are in sync with the organization's strategic objectives by assuring alignment with the business goals. And that was emphasized heavily in our part one discussion. And a good philosophy is also an adaptable one. And so allowing the organization to adapt to, to the changing business needs um, and workforce dynamics and contributions is also a key part of, of that philosophy. And then finally, because it's, you know, it's important because really what you can do is differentiate your company as a standout in the job market. So everybody wants to be considered an employer of choice. This helps to get you there. Um, and as I mentioned in the last discussion, it's critical that the talent philosophy be part of that overall business strategy and agreed upon at the highest levels of the organization. And so that really is your starting point. 
Yeah, so basically um, the strategy is the actual meat of the work, right? Where, where, whereas the philosophy is the conceptual framework or the paradigm for the organization that you know, organization need to have a philosophy first. Is that, is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in, that's in fact what I'm saying. So once you have that talent philosophy, you will then operationalize it and permeate all of your policies, practices, systems, your tools, all of those things that you use to manage talent in your organization to include that philosophy. Mm-hmm. So the last time we were talking, you know, we we talked about who should be involved in build, building the talent philosophy, which is a lot of the leaders, obviously, in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is fundamentally then a strategy? And then really, what are the steps in creating one? You know, what should we do first? Who should be involved? And how does it actually progress to where you really have a implementable strategy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, that's that's a bigger chunk, right? And um, And you know, when you think about it, this strategy is your company's systematic approach to optimizing your employee performance um, and satisfaction, increasing their satisfaction. And that's gonna include hiring, onboarding, training and development and compensation, right? So it it is a, a broad determination of how an organization will identify gaps in the workforce. And now where could those gaps be? Gaps in performance, gaps in behaviors, gaps in communication, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In hiring employees to fill key positions, and that's your policies on attraction, promotion, succession, right? Um, In differentiation of of rewards, right? And that's your compensation practices. Um, I like to include learning and development um, as a reward in some cases. So there's that. And then, you know, whatever uh, other recognition you have. Um, And then assessment and retention programs and keeping employees engaged and and motivated to achieve. And those would be your engagement efforts and your, your efforts on developing your culture. So in the end, all employers want to attract great talent. They want to develop employees who excel. Um, they want to motivate people to succeed and they want to retain top performers. So this is your strategy for, for doing so. So that as a foundation, then as a practical matter, how is it that we go ahead and, and put a strategy in place? What are some of those steps? Well, first, I want to say to your, your audience that, you know, when it comes to this, you don't have to have a huge talent management team or a large team within your organization to be able to do this. There are some terrific guidelines that are available out there for your consumption. Um, and consulting firms make a lot of money um, in, in put, putting together talent strategies for organizations. So if you don't have the internal resources, you can still move forward by following um, a number of, of foundational steps, I'll call them. Um, the first one is define what your core values are as your organization. That should not be that difficult to do, right? Start by identif- identifying the values that define uh, your culture and your approach to managing talent, okay? Once you know that, then you can move on to assessing what is the current state. That current state means evaluating your talent management practices, evaluating um, those strengths and weaknesses uh, within those those practices that you employ. The third step is um, identify talent priorities. 
Now, what do I mean by talent priorities? Well, every organization is going to have different talent priorities. So they could be skills that are needed as a differentiator in your organization. They could be workforce growth. Uh, it could be diversity uh, or it could be leadership development. So you have to decide what are the priorities for you based on your business imperatives, right? Uh, the next step is establishing principles. And what you can do there is just formulate some guiding principles that reflect your values and your priorities. And these should address recruitment, onboarding, performance, and employee development, right? So think about that for a minute. You know, you might have a very sort of foundational core, and I'll actually give you some examples later um, mm -hmm. in our discussion, but, you know, things that you definitely want to gain from the hiring that you're doing. You might have a specific target. Um, you know, you your performance management system, you know, you, you need to make a, dis a, a, a decision. You know, how are we going to manage performance? Do we manage people up? Do we manage people out? What are our criteria for evaluating? So on. So establish those principles. Then you're going to move on to involving your stakeholders. And I talked about the importance of including stakeholders all the way through from creating your philosophy to putting your strategy in place. It's, it's very important here to mention it again. And who are those stakeholders? Well, certainly your executive team, um, your HR professionals, the employees even, um, and especially your key employees um, throughout the organization or your influencers. And those sh they should all be included in the development process to ensure that there's alignment with the organization's goals, right? And the goals that are, that are you know, um, adopted throughout the business. And then a couple more steps. One is communicate and implement, right? You're going to clearly communicate both the talent philosophy and the strategy once it's complete to all the employees. And you're going to integrate that using the same consistent language, <clears throat> excuse me, across all of your HR policies and your practices. And again, leverage your best influencers and your best leaders to help you roll that out and to keep this top of mind and manage the change efforts, the change management that's gonna go into place as you roll it forward. And then finally, uh, we have to think about measuring and adapting because you know, no, no program or approach is a good one unless it's sustained, right? And it's managed and it's, and it's adaptable. And so you're gonna continuously monitor and assess the effectiveness of this uh, talent strategy going forward. And remember that as your goals change, Shri and your listeners, the strategy may change also. So you have a framework established, um, but it certainly does need to be um, adaptable. Yeah. So, so just, you know, just a key takeaway here is remember that the objective is to align across the organization and to ensure that you're growing talent in a way that's consistent with the organization's objectives and revisit it as frequently as you would revisit the overall business imperatives. Yeah, I mean, as I'm listening to you, I, I realize talent philosophy is something that can be done fairly quickly, like maybe within the first few weeks or a month, a couple of months, I guess, once you have a values and mission, mission all cleared out, mm -hmm. uh, clearly laid out for your organization. But talent strategy, is a more of a longer term imperative and it's and it and, and it and it has to adapt and be agile as well as the market condition changes or 
some of the approaches or the culture culture can also evolve over time as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, your understanding is exactly right. Mm -hmm. So talent philosophy can be done fairly quickly, but I think what I'm hearing you, especially for companies that are small, you know, let's take Engagely as an example. We're about 120 odd employees right now. Um, and we don't have a huge HR team. So if you were to take something like that, it wouldn't be like, I gotta do all this in year one. It's probably a multi-year process, but I might address some of the key elements of development and recognition and performance, and then take on some of the bigger ones uh, and the, or evolve them, level up the next year and go up. And what would you, I'm just paraphrasing here in terms of what wouldn't a, a mid or a small company could do, but what kind of suggestions do you have for companies that are, you know, not as well resourced? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think uh, the first thing is uh, that I would do is I would focus on culture and communication. And, the, you know, the importance of that can't be understated. Uh, you may not have a lot of team members to help you um, to put together, you know, to revise all your policies or, or do what have you. But I think it's a perfect opportunity, actually, for a company that's small and growing to start with this as a foundation and to grow with it. And so if I were doing a startup, which um, may in fact be, be exactly the case, um, but if I'm doing that right now, then what I'm doing is I'm thinking about, well, you know, what, what is the overall mission of this organization and, and what is it that we want to achieve? And from that, there can be some very rich conversations about just, you know, what, what do we want this culture to, to be like and look like? Um, you know, working in healthcare tech, it's, you know, there's a lot of very compassionate and giving and caring people who really have the healthcare consumer in mind. So it becomes easy to sort of have a, you know, a philosophy or a culture that really supports that kind of thing. Well, as I'm writing a policy or as I'm building my performance management process, how do I build some of those themes and feelings into to that so that I'm, I have a culture that is supporting and nourishing an employee. You know, maybe a reward in a case like that is, you know, maybe I'm focused on health and well-being, and maybe that has to come out in my policies. Maybe that comes out in my reward system. Maybe that comes out, you know, in my learning or my development or my employee growth. So, you know, you could the, the number of examples could be endless. But I think for a company at the stage where Engagedly is and where you don't have a big HR team, um, you know, you certainly do have a mission. You certainly do have values and that um, no matter what you're creating or developing on the policy or procedure side, that sort of language or feeling should be should be developed within the body of those of those policies and procedures. I think it's yeah. easily I, I think it's easily done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess there's uh, like, where are the such, where are such resources they can find or are you suggesting they should hire a consultant or, or. Well, uh, no, I think that there are some good, there's some good articles. There are some great um, materials uh, that you can find uh, even just doing a, a Google search or um, if you're a member of uh, SHRM, for example, or other organizational development um, groups. You can join some of those even on LinkedIn or or others um, or participate maybe in your you know local groups. But um, and there are also people who who have written myriad books on this 
on this subject of managing talent or talent philosophy or um, or even if you if your uh, listeners looked through talent management and uh, resources and determined, you know, how is it that we really do create a good talent talent strategy? It's almost the same as, you know, creating a, a compensation philosophy, right? Or a compensation strategy. You're really doing the same kind of process uh, just with different kinds of content. Right. Uh, but there's there are plenty of resources out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a big undertaking for a HR manager or a talent, even a talent manager, because they're not necessarily specialists in all the areas, right? Yeah. We're talking about, mm-hmm. we're talking about performance management. We're also talking about compensation. We're also talking about recognition mm-hmm. and rewards programs, um, mm-hmm. development. And within development, there's a whole spectrum. There's leadership development, there's manager development, there's individual development of skills. That's you know, right. there's so different types of development as well. So there's, there's a lot, you know, if you were a Fortune 1000 company, you would have the privilege of having a, a thousand person or even a, a 50% HR in some cases, that would be great. You're probably working with an HR team of two or three, you know, at this point. So if you're lucky, you might have three. So mm-hmm. in those cases, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes harder. You got to figure out what are some of the high priority ones that, and, and I really like what you said, but focusing on the ones that are, are, focused, are directly impacting culture. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, look, there are, there are a lot of ways that you can, um, you know, there's best practices out there. There's, you know, focusing on, on culture and engaged engagement, but, you know, if you just think about building a strong culture, you're, you're, you're already at an advantage for attracting and retaining top talent, right? right. Uh, you know, you, your, your culture is known, your people are your representatives, Right. Um, you're branded pretty clearly, right? Even in, if you put your information in LinkedIn or whatever, you know, people learn a little bit about your company. Um, so, you know, so you're already promoting in, engagement and motivating employees and increasing productivity and increasing your, um, you know, your innovation, um, you know, and so on. Um, so, so focusing on your culture is a really good step. This is also a very good s- step in sustaining your um your talent strategy you know you want to continue to revisit and and um and and you know grow and develop your team in this way um the other thing that you can leverage regardless of the size of your organization is your leaders and i firmly believe that the the leaders really have a very strong we 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 frequently have leaders as technical talent technical lead and they've sort of grown into leadership roles and they they're not really versed or they're growing in the area of being able um, to, um, you know, to to be the the strong leader and the spokesperson for things like culture and engagement. And they're learning that as they go. Right. And so in bigger companies, they may be there. Uh, they may have that skill set. They may be hired for that skill set. In smaller companies, they're developing that. Um, but we can hold leaders accountable early on for being that um, that culture uh, lead, if you will, and for making sure that they are giving employees time, um, not only that they're good listeners and you know they're good managers, but they're hearing, they're carving out time, they're creating uh, innovation moments and you know and things like that. So so leaders as a differentiator, I think are another way that people can go and also to help sustain, um, the talent strategy. And then a, a few other ways that you can co- sort of sustain that um, too and leverage what you you have internally is, 
make sure that you have a really good onboarding process. Um, onboarding is not day one orientation. I have to make sure that's clear. Onboarding is really um, an engagement process and one where the, the goal of the, the organization, of course, is to get people ramped up as quickly as possible so that they can be high performing as soon as possible. Um, but how you do that is so critical. Um, and you wanna just embrace people from the moment that they've, they've said yes, um, and they're, you know, they're still at home. They haven't even stepped, you know, into the work, the virtual workplace or the physical workplace yet, um, all the way through their early, certainly their early part of employment and then beyond through their employee life cycle. Um, but, you know, you want to reduce challenges for them early on, make a very smooth path, pathway for them so that you help them to ramp up um, quicker. Um, and then the other simple things, create growth opportunities, right, uh, for employees. And that doesn't mean, oh, we have an LMS and you can take a course or go take a course. You know, that is the sort of, in my view, the sort of the weakest form of developing an employee. And it doesn't show that you're truly invested in the employee um, so that they invest in you, right? So I'm talking about things like, you know, helping to shape their career path. Um, maybe having them assigned an advocate or an ally or a mentor um, mm -hmm. early on, you know, someone who's going to help guide them and, and help them with their, their growth area. Um, of course, then you need to embrace diversity and inclusivity. Um, that goes without saying. And this ultimately is going to boost um, innovation in the workplace, right? Yeah. And enhance communication. And then one last thing I'll mention, and then I'll, I'll give it back over to you. And that is... Um, you know, you want to measure, you want to make sure that you're creating some kind of, you know, KPIs or what have you, and using them to gauge employee performance and provide support where gaps are shown. And I say provide support because, you know, if we haven't done all those other things, like brought them on well, educated them well, given them an ally, you know, all of those things, then we we shouldn't be condemning them and looking to move them out of the organization early on. That's a huge you know, that's a huge culture killer. And mm -hmm. it's also a huge drain on an employer's, uh, you know, staffing budget um, when you have to then go out, you know, and, and uh, you know, you have high turnover in year one. You really need to examine examine your, your data and your, um, you know, your human um, analytics and see, you know, what's going on there and address things there that, that can be corrected to improve your culture. Yeah. And so, one thing is we talked about it has to adapt over time like how do you know if your strategy is no longer relevant or i guess yeah. the, or, or how do you stay relevant you know with the changes yeah well all of all of those things that i just mentioned you can do and that's how you are going to you're going to basically sustain your strategy by doing that but the other thing is that you really need to be looking at the return on the investment in your time. So if you've created new practices relating to recruitment, um, you know, and staffing, are they working? Um, are you getting, you know, get, get the feedback from your new hires, get the feedback from your hiring managers, you know, make sure that you're looking critically at that data. Um, are you looking at your employee engagement um, data? Are you even, are you even obtaining 
um, employee feedback. Uh, figure out a way to do that. Make sure that you're doing it regularly and that it takes priority. Um, have you changed your communication practices? People want to be informed. So how are look at your systems and your methodologies for how people are um, getting information on just fundamentally the performance of the business. How's your business doing? Are you reaching out to your team once a month and you know informing them, this is how we're doing, this is our growth, this is where we're not doing so well. Here's where I would really love to engage people more to contribute, right? So you're assessing over time, um, both through analytics and through, you know, through other uh, perhaps, you know, uh, qualitative measures like outreach or, um, or small, you know, small groups, or just if you're a small company, going in and, and sitting in on some team meetings or some leadership meetings and yeah. asking very specific questions. You know, we've put this in place. How is it working? Uh, what do we need to tweak? What's working? What's not going well? So it's a lot of communication, quite honestly, and connection directly with the workforce. And good business partners um, on the HR side will be doing that. But it can't be only human resources. It has to be um, a clear strategy all the way to the top of the organization. Right, right. And whenever HR drives a change without active involvement from leadership, Yes. The chances of success go the opposite direction. Um, exactly. It's been time and time again. You know, mm -hmm. you can't tell the HR, hey, I want you to improve our engagement. Go do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right, right. You, you can you can you can go and run a rewards program, do it, you know. And uh, that doesn't never works. But um Right. So I know we are running close to the time here, but uh, what are some of the key things on panel strategy that uh, I'm I haven't asked you or that you want to really make sure we, we highlight here? Well, you know, I thought it would be fun to actually, um, in the last session, we talked about talent philosophy, and I think I gave a couple of examples right. of, oh, a talent, yeah. of a talent philosophy. And I, I, I know that I shared Google, and I think I also shared Netflix. Yes. yes. So I wanted to now share a little bit of their talent strategy. And okay. I thought that might be a nice comparison. So um, so Google's Google <laughs> comes up all the time. I, I, I sort of I like that they're um, that they're doing this work. But um, so their philosophy, um, just as a refresher, hire smart, ambitious people and allow them to do their best work. And that was their philosophy. So when you think about their strategy, uh, Google's strategy, talent or talent strategy is, quote, 20 percent time. Have you heard this? Yes. OK. Yes. So, you know, their co-founder back almost, you know, whatever, 15 plus years ago, put this 20% time initiative forward. And this was a, an approach that required employees to take 20% of their time, their work time, doing something that would benefit Google. Now, of course, it wouldn't just benefit Google. There were a lot of other returns on this. Um, this philosophy. So, but this could be a project that brought immediate value to the company or one that, you know, generated long-term results. Um, but with that 20% time, they hoped to improve employee engagement um, and allow them to be a little bit more innovative and creative. So what was the result of them doing this? Better learning and development, so the 20% time gave Google's employees an excellent opportunity to learn and to try new things. 
So they saw an increase in innovation and then increased morale and happiness. So that 20% time also boosted morale by allowing employees to engage in different projects that could benefit both themselves, right? Because they're all growing and also Google instead of being constrained by a standard company routine, right? So I thought that was a good one. And I, I thought that sort of bridged um, right out of there, you know, allowing people to do their best work. They were now trusting the employees to add value. So that that I thought was good. Um, do we have time for Netflix? Yeah, let's let's take one more example. I okay, love it. So, yeah, Last Netflix. One. So Netflix, um, Netflix, Netflix's philosophy was high performing culture. Right. They were all about, you know, hiring the top talent and retaining them. Right. For a high performance culture, if you if you recall. So their strategy then became freedom and responsibility culture. So what did that mean for net for Netflix? Um, they have these themes embedded in their corporate culture. So that's the first thing with these values the company was seeking to promote self-discipline and innovation by creating highly responsible and flexible teams. So that's how they translated their philosophy into their strategy. And so what was the, uh, what were the benefits to the organization? Well, there were three. One was they did create highly empowered teams and by giving employees this freedom, they trusted the employees to do what was right and as a result, the employees were more empowered and motivated to perform their responsibilities, right? There was no big brother is watching and dictating, right? The second thing was better communication. And that increased freedom, broke down communication barriers by allowing the employee and managers to be more accountable to one another. So openly transparent environment became part of their culture. And then the third benefit was streamlined decision-making and uh, their culture su supports employee growth by allowing them to make decisions and experience the benefits and the consequences of their mm -hmm. own decisions without fear of ramification. Right. And that's a really, that's an impressive thing to do because if you have fear, you don't have innovation. And so, um, so anyway, that's how they took their philosophy and moved it into strategy and then educated people on how it was, modeled the behavior, and they're seeing the benefits of that result. That's, that's really awesome. Obviously, Netflix has evolved so much over the years, mm -hmm. um, and yeah. it continues to fight a very tough battle, and it seems to be doing well, even with all the competitive streaming networks now and other... Yeah. Uh, challenges that they face, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I know people, you know, every day telling me what turn on this Netflix series, turn on that, you know, it's almost taking the place of going out and seeing a movie. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. not that's no easy thing. I mean, they they were right there in the forefront. Yeah. Well, so, Laura, it's been a pleasure having you. I I could sit here and talk all day long. Maybe we'll reconnect after um, you spent a few months in the startup that you are going to be doing and um, working in and uh, see how that environment has uh, some stories for stories to tell mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. us to be on a, on a podcast and maybe we'll do one specifically on a, a startup startup you know like a really right. small startup that's that's gonna 
and have rapid growth. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully. Well, I uh, I would love to do that. I I know that I'm going to learn a lot. I always look forward to learning, and I am also always happy to share what I know. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, yeah. Laura. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much, Sri. Good to see you. Sri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.